0: Everybody, right, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael.
1: Hello, everybody, and uh, did anybody see that basketball game
0: Tuesday night? Anybody watch that? Oh, I watched it.
1: Yeah. I watched
0: it. I watched it from a cell phone in a restaurant. Uh, that's, that's high
1: class. That is the best way to watch basketball is on your cell phone going mobile as uh Bane would say.
0: Yeah. Um, We had our Christmas dinner with my department, and they picked a restaurant without a TV, which is fine. It's whatever. Sure. Um, But we just pulled up the game on our phones, watched it over dinner, and thoroughly enjoyed ourselves watching uh, Texas Tech defeat number one Louisville, 70 to 57. Yeah.
1: Cardinals went down in Madison Square Garden. I know we're going to talk, definitely going to talk more about that, but then I think I think you've got a few other things lined up here between a little bit of basketball talk. We'll cover DePaul a little bit, and what else do you have on here? You wanted to go over some football stuff. I think we're going to pick some bowl games.
0: Got lots probably of football.
1: Ar- probably argue a little bit on uh, whether 4 versus 6 versus 18 playoffs <laughs> make sense. You were getting salty on Twitter, man. Hey, well, you were. We'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, I think you've got a little bit of baseball news, of course, some questions, and what we learned, and it's going to be a jam-packed podcast. That, as always, we'll try to do quickly, but uh, probably
0: will not be able to do. Speaking of jam-packed podcast, we were a part of a massive collaboration that went down. I guess last night was when you guys recorded. Uh, between the Guns Up podcast, Dinger Derby, Ramblin' Raiders, and then Michael joined for us, for 23 Personnel. A massive collaborative effort. We'll have that audio for you guys. We'll we'll post it ourselves. Each podcast is going to post the audio, but be sure to catch ours. We will all release it Thursday morning, so if you are hearing this episode when we release it on Wednesday and be looking for a second episode of the 23 Personnel podcast as it was a, a massive group effort. Michael, how'd that go?
1: Man, it, it went really well. It was a lot of fun. I hopped on a little bit late and, uh, they were still nice despite the fact of my tardiness. Well, uh,
0: you were late because I had to drop out last minute, like literally last minute. I think it was, we were set to record. I think it started at eight 7:56 rolls, around. I was like, "Guys, like, I'm not gonna be able to make it." <laughs> I gave very little notice, and they were like, "Hey, let's, let's try to get Michael on um, in my place." And you graciously accepted their invitation. Yeah, you were a few minutes late, but you had to scramble to put your kid to bed and jump on. So,
1: yeah, it was it was very close, very close to the wire, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Keith had some great questions for all of us. Keith Abbott, who uh, is one of the main guys behind the Guns Up Nation podcast. Some great questions for all of us just kind of covering the year, you know, disappointments, surprises, uh, just things that uh, made us go back and kind of relive some of our glory days as students. And it was just, uh, just a lot of fun to, to kind of hear everybody share their thoughts and and uh, just get to be on the same podcast with a bunch of uh, other fellow Red Raider fanatics, so really enjoyed it, and it's going to be—it's probably a little over an hour or so, but uh, it flew by really fast just because we were we were able to keep the conversation rolling. We all know how to talk, apparently.
0: I, I don't think anybody would would think that I, either of us don't know how to talk. Um, and then when you get four different podcasts together, I, I'm sure it was a struggle, even to keep it under an hour. Um, so be sure to check that out when we release it on Thursday. Uh, Michael did say we we're going to talk about a little basketball, but before we get there, I did order an early Christmas present for myself, and it was on a Black Friday Cyber Monday sale. Uh, I saw it, well, it's been something I've been keeping an eye on for a while, but I saw the ad come up actually on Instagram, and it was like, it was something like 40 or 45% off. But what it is, it's a Lego set. It's a miniature Lego set. These things, these pieces are teeny tiny. It's just astounding how small these things are. But it's a Lego set, a replica of the Jones AT&T Football Stadium at Texas Tech. So See, I'm going gonna...
1: to... This I like. This I like. And, and you posted something. I wanted to quiz you about it on Facebook the other day. You posted your progress. Yep. While well, as valiant as it was... You you insisted that that took you eight hours. Was that actually true, or was that an exaggeration?
0: Well, so it started, eight hours included me sorting pieces, because the bags, um, oh. one, one frustrating thing, the bags did not come, like, sorted by step, and they weren't numbered in any way. So what I did is, I enlisted my wife to help me, but we ripped open all the bags, and we sorted by color. I, I, it may or may not have been the best idea, because there's, like eight different size pieces of each color and one, they're all, they're also really small, but it probably took us two, two and a half hours that first night just sorting the pieces. And you're like, how could it take you two and a half hours? There are 2,500 pieces in this set. (laughs) And we literally touched every single one,
1: man. So just
0: a good portion of that time, just prep, just prep work. Yeah. So we're, we're separating it out into little Tupperware containers by color and then there are 32 or 33 total steps I'm on step eight so probably five five and a half hours of work I've gotten through seven steps so it takes me about 45 minutes a step not too bad Uh, but it will take me probably another you know 12 hours at least to finish this thing and obviously you're you're building up from the ground up uh, by layer. And so the first level was getting the field down and like, in like the footprint of the stadium. And then now I'm three levels in and I've got, you know, several rows of stands going in. I've got um, the offices going in some the glass. It's, it's, it looks really cool. Um, it'll be probably, I forget the exact dimensions, but it's just over a foot square. Um, the actual base piece. So it's not, it's not going to be very big. But also remember, in that foot square will be 2,500 pieces. So they're, they're really small. And it makes me really nervous to be working around this, working on this, around the house, just anywhere because you drop it on the... Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job's more visibility at indeed.com/match.
1: Just go to indeed.com/match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. indeed.com/match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Tile it can go flying anywhere. Drop it in the carpet, it's gone forever. Um but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun. Um I I got really interested in doing a big Lego set like this when you got that Saturn V rocket last Christmas. Yes sir. And I was like I want that. And Samantha's like you're not spending 100 dollars on Legos. <laughs> and then I found this set it was 80 bucks. I was like look, you said I couldn't spend 100, but here's one for 80. But then this it was qualifies. on sale. Yeah. Uh like I said, I picked it up for I think it was 45 dollars total. Um which is great. It's got like, actual tech logos. The one kind of weird thing about it, the packaging calls it James AT&T Stadium. <laughs> <And> I wonder <laughs> if that's a licensing thing so they can get away with it or if it really is just that jicky from China or whatever.
1: Yeah, because it's not actual Lego, but it is.
0: It's not branded Lego. It's very but it's similar. Still, it's the building block shape of Legos. Anyways, um, I'm really excited. I will keep posting progress about that. Until I get it done probably around Christmas time. <laughs> yeah, it Honestly. sounds like it's gonna take a little while. All right, before we get into basketball, guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So, you know, they work. You can take,
1: Uh, sorry, go ahead.
0: (laughs) You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Michael. Yeah. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, blue chew is a fast and easy way to enhance your performance Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code armchair. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E dot Use promo code armchair to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Michael. Yes. you ready to talk about some basketball?
1: I am dying to talk about some basketball.
0: All right, let's get to it. Here comes Stevenson. Stings. Oh! Oh! Pass over the top, McCormick in a crowd stripped by Owens, already on the run, bounce pass, here's Culver! Evans, yes!
1: Game over! Mooney with a crossover in the line,
0: Owens! Now the shot clock is at three, Mooney spins, fires, oh, he got it to go! Edwards with a three, good! What a shot, Carver Edwards! Ready, double, into it already. Odiasi, throw bars it in here. Got caught down to five. Got the screen, here's a three. Good! Colbert oh, got the separation. Oh, big shot. What? Stepping up big time. Okay, Michael, do you want to talk about Louisville or DePaul
1: first? Well, I think we should try to instant reaction to this thing and just go straight into the Louisville game. Take a little bit of sweet before the saltiness of uh, losing to DePaul in overtime.
0: Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. So your Texas Tech Red Raiders take down the number one Louisville Cardinals, 70-57 to 57 tonight in Madison Square Garden. This is Tech's first victory over a number one team. Your first victory, at least under Chris Beard, at Madison Square Garden. And it was Louisville's first loss of the season. You hit a rough stretch there uh, for the three games around Thanksgiving. Losing to Iowa, Creighton, and then DePaul. But you come back tonight without Jemias Ramsey and take down the number one team in the country behind some surprising efforts from Avery Benson and just overall team defense. Stop me. If you've heard that before, Davide Moretti leads all scorers in the game with 18 points, only four 15 from the field, but hit all eight of his free throws. He's, was he now 32 of 33 on the year, Michael?
1: I, that sounds right, because I think the last stat I saw was 30 of 31, and I think he shot two more. This, this was one of those games, Spencer. I don't know how you felt going into it. Uh, I really – I wasn't nervous. I wasn't nervous, but I thought Tech could totally win it. And I wasn't super. That's why I wasn't. I wasn't super jazzed and super going nuts when when Tech did actually pull it off. And it was obvious with the last three or four minutes that it was kind of in hand. It just the way they played. I thought, well, yeah, this team is hard to beat. This team is going to stop. You know, going to give anyone fits defensively. I mean, Louisville finished with seventeen point six percent from three point line.
0: They shot as worse. as... As you did in your three losses.
1: Yeah. And Eric Kelly here, a uh, local sportscaster, he had a great tweet with some really good stats. Um, Jordan Norwa tied Is the, the fourth worst shooting night of his career when taking 10 plus shots with only 25%. And then he had two more stats I, I want to get to as well. He said that the 19 turnovers were the most for the cards since February of last year, and then 17.6% from beyond the arc was the worst for Louisville since December 29th, 2017, so almost two years ago. It's it, it has been that long since they've shot that poorly from the beyond the arc, and I think people are finally figuring out, well, they're not just having an off night. No, tech is forcing them into that off night.
0: Yeah, for sure. So sorry, you're hearing some autoplay videos because I've got the ESPN page pulled up and they just love them, some autoplay ads. Oh. Um, so every now and then you may hear some like random sounds before I can get to muting that. But Texas Tech didn't shoot very well themselves. They shot thirty, almost 40% from the field, just under 26% from three. Davide Moretti only hit two of ten from three. Kyler Edwards Edwards took seven shots from three only hit one um and then you just got just a heroic effort from Avery Benson off the bench he played the he played twenty two minutes it was three of three from the floor one of those was a three point and hit all three of his free throws um he had four rebounds one steal two blocks uh, so he ended with 10 points one of those blocks came at the very end of the first half which was just an incredibly athletic play the heart and soul of this the team is a walk-on in Avery Benson one of the first guys that Chris Beard offered back at Arkansas Little Rock still playing for him um, and in the absence of Jamias Ramsey has seen his minutes go way up and while he's playing meaningful minutes, he's giving meaningful contribution. You know what I mean? Sure, he's, sure. He's not just eating minutes. He's not just taking up a fifth spot on the court. I mean, 22 minutes is a lot for a walk-on player for a team that was competing for a national title last season. Um, and this is not like a, a player that you convince to come to your your school that could have gotten a scholarship elsewhere, like a four or five star guy. This is a guy that was probably lightly recruited and committed to just Chris Beard, the coach. Um, but you got 22 minutes tonight, like I said, 10 points, four four rebounds, two steals. Um, without that kind of performance, yeah, you you know, you 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 beat Louisville by 13, Louisville. Um, but the spark he also provides. Not listed on the on the stat sheet is also a valuable thing he brings.
1: I, I would agree with that. There's been times I've kind of I've wondered why Beard was putting him in so early, or uh, you know what the thought process is behind when he would bring Benson in, especially this season. It seemed like it was, and especially once Ramsey went out, as you pointed out, that Benson's going to be kind of the sixth man. Uh, at least for a while, uh, it, it was it was interesting to see Savrasov in there that early today too. But Benson's really surprised me. Uh, I have been kind of critical of him, and you know, just the fa- the fact that you hustle doesn't always mean you're a good player. And that was something that I could kind of see with him every now and then. Well, okay, well he's trying really hard and he's he's moving really fast and he's. He's diving for loose balls, but sometimes it wouldn't actually generate actual contribution, you know, at least in the stat sheet, but kind of the immeasurables. But now it it's both. Uh, you're you're kind of getting to see both sides of it. He's becoming more of a leader just as far as a teammate, and Beard's really trusting him, and sounds like this has been the plan from the start, because Benson's gotten his minutes have jumped up a lot this year. And nights like tonight, that's, that's why Beard trusts the guy and, and sees him. I mean, he notched a stat in every single category, but assists and turnovers. So only one of those you actually want. So he was he was everywhere. He was doing everything, rebounding on both sides of the floor. I've, I think the fact that he was there and the fact that he had this kind of game is really one of the big reasons that Tech
0: won. Yeah, the the thing that gets me is just like he was perfect from the floor. Mm-hmm. Like he made every shot he took, and okay, granted he took three shots and then three free throws, but he hit all six of those shots. Yeah, he wasn't just
1: firing stuff up. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's what was, that's what I've noticed about him this year, and not to say that he did that last year, but he was kind of more prone to, and usually because by the time he was shooting, a lot of times the game was in hand. Sure. And and so he was probably just, sure, you know, I've I've got a semi open three, I'll take it. Why not? But now he seems a lot more selective on his shots. And, you know, one of those fouls was a was a tough one where he was just about to posterize on a put back dunk, which was <laughs> a really athletic move on its own. And he got fouled in the process of of doing that. So that was even on the way. He didn't even have the ball when he was fouled. He was trying so hard to get the offensive board that he got fouled in the process of getting a rebound. So that's kind of an Avery Benson foul right there for you. Uh, really impressed with him tonight. He was a difference maker in this game. Of course, you know I'm, I'm waiting for Moretti to spark back up again from three – I feel like Tech really needs him. Edwards could be that guy here and there. Um, you know, it seems like Clark's threes are either going to be nothing but net or they're going to be the ugliest brick you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> There's no in-between. He's either just going to drain it and it's going to look like it was there was no chance it was going to miss or it's just going to clank off that iron so hard that you you hear it donk through the – through the speakers. So, uh, now hopefully he'll kind of get a little bit better on
0: that. To be fair, Clark shot three threes tonight. One of them was as a shot was expiring and there wasn't really, there wasn't separation for him to find somebody else to take that shot. Uh, he did finish one of three from three, Uh, but he played 35 minutes. Moretti played 36. Edwards played 36. So those three guys hardly came off the court. Uh, Clark ended the game with seven points. Again, we'll talk about this in DePaul. You just you wish he would take more shots. There were some times where he had the ball in the low post, and then he would turn around and fire out a pass. Um, you just wish he was putting up more shots, especially down close to the basket. Moretti had thirty-six points, so sorry, thirty-six minutes, eighteen points. Kyler Edwards got nine points in thirty-six minutes. Now, somebody that took advantage of their time was TJ Shannon tonight. Um he went off in Chicago against DePaul. Tonight yes. he only played twenty three minutes, but in those twenty three minutes put up thirteen points. He was five from six five of six from the free throw line, four of nine from the field. Um he had three. Yeah, kinda re- got
1: into some sorry, kinda got into some foul trouble, mm-hmm. and I think that was what pulled him out a little bit of the game, but he was so effective when he was in there and he he attacked the basket. Uh there was I think there was one drive that Jay Byless, Billis Billis? Bailus? Mm-hmm. I forget, Uh, you know, yeah, y'all know how bad I am at pronouncing (laughs) names, but, uh, there was one drive that Shannon, it was one of his, you know, he, he only missed five shots on the night, but it was a great drive. And I thought the same thing and byless took it, the words right out of my mouth It just he missed it, but man, it was so, it was so powerful. It was so effortless and he got to the, uh, but it was controlled and he got to the basket, and he laid it up with his left hand, and somehow it just didn't go in. And it was contested, but it still – it it was one of those shots that you go, well, that's that's a great shot. That was a really great play, and it didn't look like some sort of desperate, oh, I'm going to drive to the basket and try to get fouled. No, he, he very nearly made it. A, a great shot and he was just doing that type of stuff tonight being a little bit assertive which is what tech needs at this point I don't know if Holyfield's gonna be that guy I know Ramsey is when he wants to be uh, and so it's it's kind of you, you need someone who can who can do that and like you said you know if Clark's able to uh, contribute in that way too that would help you, you've just got to get more guys who are a little bit more assertive with the ball but also make smart decisions
0: yeah, Holyfield. Um, he finished with eight points, but three of those came on a last-second three, right there at the end of the game. Right. Um, so he played twenty minutes, eight points. Um, so four fouls though. Yeah, he was in foul trouble, uh, and that's that's been pretty consistent this season. I don't know what it is about him not being able to play aggressive, but not fouling. Um. In 20 minutes, like I said, only three rebounds, three assists. He did have three steals. Turned the ball over twice and scored eight points. Savrasov also had three – sorry, he had three fouls. Shannon had three fouls. Everybody else was fairly clean in the game. You needed your defense uh, tonight because shooting 40%, I mean, that's not bad. Um but definitely if you're if you're shooting better than your opponent obviously you've got a, a great chance uh, you held them you know 34% from the field 17.6% from 3 and 72% from the free throw line and you forced 19 turnovers to only your 14 so when you do that you've got a a great recipe to win lots of games especially against really any opponent tonight it was number 1 ranked Louisville Cardinals Great to see the team come out on top of one of these games where you don't feel like you've played as well as you could have, especially on the offensive side. But your defense tonight stepped up in a way that you were just hoping it would uh, the past couple of weeks. Now you did, um, you did lose in overtime last week to DePaul, sixty yeah. to sixty-five. We did mention earlier that T.J. Chan- TJ Shannon went off. He played 38 minutes, scored 24 points, and pulled down eight rebounds. It felt like he was really excited to be back home in Chicago because he took over the game, and it was Shannon's game for the majority of it.
1: And he was—he owned it. He, he was—he uh, I
0: mean, was great tonight too. We
1: just didn't get to see him as much because he was in foul trouble. But gosh, that kid! he's got a lot of potential and Mm -hmm. like we've discussed before, you know, I think he committed before Ramsey. And so Ramsey kind of has gotten a lot of the spotlight in the off season and even during the season, but Shannon is a very talented player. And he was, it looked like he was trying to make a point uh, to remind the people, the good folks of Chicago that, yeah, I'm, I'm a talented kid. I'm, I'm from here and this is, this is who uh, this is, who left? you know, this is the guy that that could have stuck around or you know could have gone anywhere, but I chose to come with these uh, this group of Red Raiders and, and I was just blown away by his ability that night.
0: Now, it's saying a lot to be projecting where where T.J. Shannon may be next spring or next summer. but if Texas Tech is able to hold on to Shannon and Ramsey, Think about the talent that's coming in with Micah Peavy as well. This team could be as talented as it's ever been. You, you probably said that this year about the roster you have now. But if, if you can, if if some of these guys stay to play one more year for Tech, you could have just a ridiculously talented roster for the 2020-2021 season. Um, Holyfield, we mentioned... Uh, he did a little bit better tonight than he did against DePaul. He played 29 minutes but didn't score a point, only two rebounds and two assists. So, yikes. Like that, that's kind of the the stat line you would kind of expect like a a walk-on player that's kind of eating up minutes to kind of pull out. Although t- 29 minutes is a lot for anybody when they're not producing anything. Um like I said tonight you got a little bit more production out of him. But really, I mean, he's he's averaging just under 10 points now, which doesn't sound bad. But when you look at the, the past few games, he's been turning down. He got eight tonight, obviously. But you need more points from him, especially because he's he's your biggest offensive threat. Um, and then he needs to play a lot smarter on the defensive side and, and not foul as much. Chris Clark in this game played 43 minutes out of 45. like we talk about the guys that played 35 and 36 minutes tonight, um, which is, you know, of a 40 minute game, Chris Clark against Paul played 43 minutes of 45 minutes. Now he only scored four points. Again, you were, would hope he would be putting up more than that, but he did pull down 11 rebounds and four assists. Uh, I saw this today. Um, from a Texas Tech basketball Twitter account, Bullies of Broadway, Chris Clark is the only player top 50 in assist rate and top 50 in defensive round percentage, rebound percentage, and top 50 assist rate and top 150 offensive rebound percentage. Um, and according to the, the Bullies of Broadway, no one even comes close to that that rate nationally. Um, Chris Clark is is providing a lot of stats elsewhere outside of points, and you just kind of hope he can pull those the other stat category together to go along with the really impressive numbers he's putting up. Um, Davide Moretti missed his first free throw of the year right on cue as the broadcasters were telling about how he had hit like 29 in a row that stretched back into February of 2019. And he misses one that would have put you up by two possessions uh, in regulation, but DePaul is able to come back and then tie it. Uh, Avery Benson played a ton of minutes in this game as well, 23. Going forward, um, game 10 of the season, you're going to be back home versus Southern Southern Miss. There's a lot of S's in there. (laughs) Right. This upcoming Monday night, uh, 6 p.m. on ESPN2. And then you'll get another home game the following Saturday. At 1 p.m. on Fox Sports Southwest Plus, when you host UT Rio Grande Valley, the Vaqueros, a yep, team you still in, one of my favorite mascots. No, for sure, it's a team you've played in baseball recently, and um, around the, the Christmas break, going into the the new year, you're kind of obviously You're taking a step back in competition from your Las Vegas. Uh, Tournament, DePaul and then Louisville tonight. You got a couple more games before you start conference play. Um hope to see Jemias Ramsey and his his hamstring heal up a little bit with the drop in competition. Obviously you don't want to rush it. You didn't see Beard push him out there tonight. So they're they're trying to be as careful as they can with his his leg and make sure he's fully healthy before he comes back. Which I'm okay seeing that. Um and then obviously these games, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if these games count toward, towards that five game for the students. I don't think they do because they're outside of the, the semester time frame. Right. Right.
1: I don't think they did because uh, finals week was. It's
0: this week. I think
1: it's this coming week, I believe something like that. So it's, uh, it, they don't, I don't think they fall into it.
0: But both these games are well before Christmas. You've got some time to make these games before heading home. Um, Great basketball to see back here in the United Supermarkets Arena. Be sure to check those games out, and they're obviously both going to be televised nationally, at least on Monday, and then regionally on Fox Sports. Michael, you got anything else for basketball? You still excited about the, the result tonight?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I was like, like I said, I was just kind of one of those things where I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I wasn't surprised that tech won. I am surprised that their defense showed up pretty much in 2018 form tonight. I didn't, I haven't quite seen that yet, at least not against some uh, better opponents. And I, I, you know, I still think we're looking, hopefully, at an eight or nine seed tournament team, uh, top three finish or so in the Big Twelve. That's that's kind of what I'm I'm shooting for, and with a healthy team, there's a very good chance that Tech can uh, fulfill those.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how to project seeds, and that's not really my deal. I'll leave that to like Lenardi and all those guys. But beating the number one team on the road and not more at least in a neutral site you feel pretty good about your chances against the rest of the conference uh you've seen your defense be able to carry you th- to a victory tonight you would hope to see your offense continue to turn the corner to help complement that but tonight goes a long way in helping restore some of the confidence you may have lost over the past 3 losses before we get into football, I forgot to plug our social media, our our, our Twitters. Oh yeah, yeah. It's my my bad, Michael. I'm I'm failing on the self promo. <laughs> if you want to follow the podcast, you can find the show on Twitter at 23 Personnel. It's 23 Personnel. You can follow me, Spencer at puntsuck and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. All right. Let's talk some football. Welker takes it at the 11. He's going to try to get to the right sideline, breaks a tackle. He's got running room at the 30, the 35-40. He's the midfield, the 45-40. He may go.
1: 25-10. Touchdown, Red Raiders.
0: Davis Webb, the freshman. Screen. Underneath there. Brewer breaks the tackle still. But the sideline. Turns on the juice.
1: Touchdown. Harold in the shotgun from the 28 throw goes to the right side for grab three it's caught he breaks the wire red raider unbelievable touchdown (laughs) red raiders Michael
0: grab tree has done it let the scoring begin all right so first I think we should wrap up conference championship weekend Michael do you watch any of the um, big twelve championship game between Baylor and Oklahoma
1: I did. I was able to catch most of it. Uh, what? I mean, you almost feel sorry for Baylor fans, but not really.
0: I never feel sorry for Baylor fans.
1: <laughs> just to be that close, uh, take it into overtime and then also have playing OU's
0: three defense. different quarterbacks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then OU's defense just smother you in overtime to where you didn't. I, I don't think they did. They gain a yard. No, I'm not quite sure.
0: <laughs> they went backwards because they ended it was yeah. like fourth and twenty and they got sacked on that.
1: Yes. I remember that for sure. Uh it was it was a really great game. I I think Baylor belongs up there. Their their defense was able to hold Oklahoma at least in check for most of the game. Uh it was kind of a weird game, the you know, Baylor didn't score in the first quarter. OU didn't score in the second. Baylor didn't score in the third. It was just kind of back and forth. It seems like both teams were able to hold each other on some droughts. But uh, not that I care. It's probably better that OU won for the Big 12. I'm, I'm not a conference rah-rah guy. doesn't really matter to me. And, you know, evidence of that was true based on where they landed in the playoffs. But, uh I I think I'm interested in in a lot of these Big 12 bowl games, Spencer. I I think we've got some good bowl matchups.
0: Well, (laughs) I mean, interesting as in, like, I I would want to watch them, but I think the matchups are really... I'm so sorry. This dumb ESPN site. All right. I think the matchups do not favor the Big 12. I can envision... Of the six bowl games that Big 12 teams are playing in, that the Big 12 only wins one of them. And oh, I'm, really? And I'm not sure which one it is. Um, I mean, the only game a Big 12 team is favored in is Kansas State Navy, and it's Kansas State by one.
1: Yeah, it's a pick em.
0: Everything okay. else is – yeah. So let's hey, start hey, –
1: let's let's run through it. Yeah, let's let's oh, run sure. through it because uh, I wanted us to do this. I I, I don't know how if, – if you've picked them beforehand or not, but I want us to each pick them. So, uh, all right, first one. We're just going to go chronological. Number 25, Oklahoma State versus Texas A&M. Good old Big 12 be from,
0: South yeah. opponents.
1: Yeah, the, the old – Big 8 versus Southwest Conference <laughs> something. Anyway, uh that'll be Friday, December 27th, Academy Sports and Out- Outdoors Bowl in Houston. And so the fact that it's in Houston has to contribute to why AM, who is 7 and 5, 4 and 4 in the SEC, is picked
0: at -6 I mean, over th-
1: Oklahoma State.
0: It has to be that it's in Houston and not because they're at the SEC, right? Right? I, I, right. I don't know. I
1: mean, you know those 8 SEC games are way harder than those 9 Big 12 games. So I, I I'm not really sure. Maybe that's maybe that's what it is. I This is one that I'm I would definitely pick Oklahoma State. I, maybe not even just to cover, but to just outright win the thing. I, I don't see why AM's picked so highly as a 6-point favorite.
0: I haven't really watched a lot of A&M to, to break down that matchup. I feel like they hold the advantage on offense over Oklahoma State, especially the A&M offense versus the Oklahoma State defense. Um, and it's going to be a de facto home game. I mean, you all know that College Station is not that far from Houston. I would say a majority of the AM fan base, alumni base, is in Houston. Um, this should be a sold out bowl game, and it'd be probably one of the mo- best, most well attended games outside of the New Year's Six and playoff games. Um, and I think it's because it's a regional matchup, previous conference foes. But I, I'm right now. I would say I would take the Aggies in this game, and
1: and you'd pick them to cover. No, not just to not just to
0: win, but to maybe in that like seven to ten point range. I mean, not like it's a big win. I mean, I don't think they're going to blow them out. But
1: one of the things, excuse me, one of the things we talked about on the Guns Up podcast when we did our recording last night was. They asked each of us who we think our rival currently is. And I picked Oklahoma State, and who knows? I've probably said something different on our own podcast, but the whole time I was saying Oklahoma State, uh, I was rationalizing it because, you know, both sides get recruits from each other, and uh, Tech is competitive with Oklahoma State in all sports. I don't think it's super lopsided, especially now that the won a few football games over the last few years. But the whole time I was thinking, man, AM was really that's who I miss. AM was uh I think someone asked us a question a, a year or so ago, you know, who who would you want back in the Big 12, or would you want anyone in the Big 12? And I said, sure, I'd take AM just because they're so fun to play against. I that I miss having them around. So I'm I'm just looking forward to to seeing them in a meaningful game against a Big Twelve opponent.
0: Yeah, that could be fun. One of the first uh, big bowl games of the season. Next up would be Iowa State versus number fifteen Notre Dame, Saturday, December twenty eighth, eleven a.m. on ABC. The Camping World Bowl out there in Orlando. Now, yeah, I don't I'm, I'm know... with you.
1: I, I'm sorry. I think this is where you're going when you first started this. This does not seem like a good. I mean, who? Why? Notre Dame's ten and two, Mm -hmm. ranked number fifteenth in the country. I feel like Iowa State drew the short straw,
0: and I don't know why that line is so small. Now Notre Dame could have like they could have had a really soft schedule that helped them get to ten and two, because a ten and two team feels, especially at like a, a a. a sticker school or like a big name school like Notre Dame having a 10 win season camping world bowl seems not the, the best landing spot for them.
1: Yeah. And yeah. M-
0: maybe you, you would take into consideration motivation that like, okay, how motivated is Notre Dame going to be to play in this low bowl game versus Iowa state? So I, I mean the lines three and a half, I would, I would eat. I would easily take Notre Dame to cover this.
1: Oh, so would I.
0: I just I don't I don't understand that matchup at all.
1: And that's not a huge knock on Iowa State, but it doesn't it, it just doesn't favor them. I I think Iowa State, I'm sure they'll be able to slow down Notre Dame's offense to an extent uh, just because they do that to everyone except maybe Kansas State for whatever reason, <laughs> but they they don't have a lot of chances here. I mean, you know, Notre Dame's two losses were to Georgia. They lost to Georgia by a touchdown and but they did get blown out of the stadium by Michigan 45 to 14. So those are their two losses, but the two losses are still to ranked you know good teams. Whereas Iowa State's limping in here seven and five and kind of a down year of the Big Twelve. And sure, yeah, Tech went four and eight in that same Big 12, so that tells you what I think of it. Uh it just it seems like a very bad matchup.
0: Speaking of bad matchups, though, Michael, next game on the list, Oklahoma. Number four, Oklahoma versus number one, LSU. So this is our first playoff game. LSU is favored to win this by two touchdowns. This is the same Saturday, the 28th, 3 p.m., In the college football playoff semifinal, the Chick fil A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. I don't think, let me just say, I think LSU covers. Really? I think a two, like, even with a a playoff game and the line being two touchdowns, I think LSU still covers. Yeah, the
1: Lions 13, based on CBS Sports, this is where we're getting all that, all these lines today. I'm I'm thinking the OU will cover. I I don't see them pulling off the upset. I really don't. Uh, you know LSU has allowed some points, man. I mean they they allowed a lot of points to Alabama. Uh, you know they're they allowed a lot to Texas. You know that's still Texas's best well, game was, of the year.
0: <laughs> also super early in the season, I would say Alabama's defense is better than Oklahoma's, and LSU won that game.
1: Well, the one thing I looked at, in total offense, I think of the four playoff teams, which in case y'all don't know, I'm sure y'all do. Y'all are listening to this podcast, you know. Uh, It's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and OU. I think um, all four of them are in either the top five or top six in total offense in FBS rankings. So they can all score on just about anybody. So, I I mean, Baylor's defense is, is not something to sneeze at, and OU pummeled them in the second half in their regular season game. Uh, and then able, you know, they scored just enough, 30 on them, to, in overtime to win this last week. But I think is going to be able to score on LSU, but... I I almost hope they don't win. Well, I n- I never root for OU to win anyway. But the Joe Burrow story is just too sweet. It's it's got to keep going. It can't end like this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I like Oklahoma the 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 school the team, and probably normally would root for them in a game like this. But LSU is also one of my secondary teams, and I've got a, a strong family tie to the Tigers. Um, Go Tigers! We're coming. Um, <laughs> so I'm 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 taking, like I said, the Tigers minus thirteen to eliminate the Sooners from playoff contention. No, sorry, from the playoff to advance against a really you know a really interesting matchup against Ohio State and Clemson. That, that'll be a really good game as well. Um. Next Big 12 bowl game, we have to wait a few days. We get to New Year's Eve. Kansas State favored by one versus number 23, Navy. Uh, it's 2.45 on ESPN in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis. Kansas State went 8-4 and four in the season. Navy went 9-2, and 7-1 and one in conference play.
1: You know, I was just thinking we should have – we should have picked the over-under. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, what's the over-under on the run time of this game? Like two hours and 50
0: minutes? Likely. Likely. <laughs> um, this will probably be the shortest game of the bowl season because both teams really like to move at a glacial pace. Um what what would concern me if I'm Kansas State, one, is you're not going to have a lot of support on the road. I mean, Kansas State does travel, but Memphis is not, like, uh, anywhere near any of your alumni. Navy isn't either. So it could be a really—a fairly bland atmosphere in this bowl game. And then you're also facing a team and an offense— that you just never see. You don't see an offense like Navy regularly if you're the if you're Kansas State, and we've seen teams that face a can a Navy, an Air Force, an Army, one of the service academies that run the triple option really struggle, especially early on. Not that a triple option team is going to blow you out. I mean, they can. It's very unlikely, but. They're going to do to Kansas State what Kansas State wants to do to everybody is they want to get, you know, a modest lead and then just bleed the clock. Yes. Like, which team is going to get the first lead Maybe the team that wins this game.
1: Yeah, if, if a team is ever up by two scores, then that might be the end of it. If someone's up by 10, Lord help us. I do game think
0: – Obviously Kansas State's going to have the better athletes. They're going to have the ability to to come back a little bit better than than I would think a Navy would. We've seen the Wildcats put up a lot of points against Oklahoma this season. Um this is one of those games where like I it's one of the more difficult ones. Yes, it's it's the closest in point spread. Um it's difficult for me to pick, but I think I'll take Kansas State. Michael, what about you? I am gonna pick Kansas
1: State as well, and I have not followed Navy that much aside from watching them almost upset Michigan in the first game of the season. I think it was the first or second game.
0: Oh yeah, I just, remember that. I mean just No, no, that, that I was I was Army. Oh dang, you're right.
1: You're right. You're so right. Uh anyway. Oh well, that that was a really so Navy's nine and
0: do what? I was gonna say that was a really fun, entertaining game, especially there at the end when Army was coming back and they were trading kicks there at the end to see who would who would win.
1: Yeah, that was a heck of a way to start out the season because that I mean, an unranked team taking down uh, taking Michigan at home to overtime uh, you know, and even the overtime there were a couple of really close plays that just almost could have worked. I think Army threw four passes or something crazy like that. Uh, anyway, that's terrible of me to get Army and Navy confused, but <laughs> I'm such a civilian. Uh, the, the fact that Kansas State has ended the season so well has me on their side. I, I think I'm going to pick them to, to come away with it. Uh, their fans, you know, they live a little closer to Tennessee as far as I know. Uh, <laughs> I haven't looked at a map that closely. So there's a chance they could be there. It's it is on a Tuesday, but it is New Year's Eve, so that that's a good fun bowl. And speaking of New Year's Eve, right after this game is over at 6:30 p.m. on New Year's Eve, you've got Texas versus number 11 Utah uh, on ESPN. And that is at, of course, the Valero Alamo Bowl in San Antonio. Utah's favored at six and a half, and the Utes just coming off of a well, they they were in the Pac-12 championship game and lost to Oregon, which there's no shame in that. But of course, that threw them out of their playoff contention. But finished the year eleven and two, eight and one. Uh, Texas, of course, finished seven and five, five and four in the Big Twelve. I don't see. It. I mean, Texas, of course, Texas steamrolled Tech, and that hurt, and outscored Tech 45-10 to 10 to finish the game, and that was the last few quarters they played this year leading into this, this game. But sure, it's in San Antonio, uh, but I think these Utah Utes are going to be playing with a big chip on their shoulder. I think they're going to be – they want to avenge the loss that they had and the chance to win – the Pac-12 and not only win the Pac-12, but possibly sneak into the playoff. Uh, I I don't think they're going to be a deflated team as opposed, you know, kind of like how we saw Georgia last year, maybe, but I think they're going to be a determined team and, you know, whether the Pac-12 is weak or not, Utah won four more games than Texas did. And I, I think they're going to take this one and I think they're going to cover
0: yeah, this is, one, this is another game that is a strange matchup. I think what you're seeing is the effect of having a playoff team plus a New Year Six team from the Big 12. Yeah. Everybody gets bumped up because normally you wouldn't see a Big 12, a 7-5 and five Big 12 team in the Alamo Bowl. No. So you would see the number two team up there. Um, But the Alamo Bowl, if you're looking at Big 12 standings, picked the fourth big 12 team in Texas Um, with Baylor being two, Oklahoma one Iowa state being third. I think that Texas Notre Dame game could be pretty interesting if, if they were were to have have picked that way, but then you'd put Iowa state versus Utah and the Alamo bowl. So it, it makes more sense for Texas to be there than, than Iowa state in terms of having people attend and that kind of thing. Um, But yeah, if you're putting up a, an 11 and two conference runner up versus a seven and five fourth place team in the big 12. Like this isn't that great of a matchup. No, you,
1: no. You, on paper, it doesn't seem like it at all.
0: You were mentioning the the motivation for Utah having lost in the conference championship game that would have put them into the playoff versus a Texas team that outside of Tom Herman does not have a coaching staff. He <laughs> fired everybody like,
1: yeah, I didn't think about that. They're going to have just a bunch of GAs out there trying to call plays and everyone's going to be fitted for themselves on <laughs> – yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's
0: going to work. So I would take Utah and the Utes to to win and cover this. I don't, I don't see Tom Herman replacing his staff in a meaningful way in time to prepare for a bowl game. I mean, that game's in three weeks. Right, can you interview and hire a staff while also simultaneously preparing for a bowl game and then bring them in and get them gelling with the team? I I I don't see how that's gonna work. Like Texas firing all their staff outside of Herman before the bowl game makes no sense to me. No. I I don't think they thought that through. So I, I I don't like to see a a really low Big Twelve team in the in the Alamo Bowl because it's usually a really entertaining game. I just I don't think Texas is going to have the horses to to compete with Utah here. I mean, this is the most mismatched of all the the games. If you look at the ranked opponent uh, versus Big Twelve, I just I just don't see the the horns doing too well in this one. No. no, final game, final Big Twelve bowl game. Um, assuming that Oklahoma does lose to LSU, is number seven Baylor versus number five Georgia, the closest of the of the rankings. After we just talked about the ones that were furthest apart, the very next day on New Year's Day, seven forty five p.m. on ESPN, the All-State Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Um, Georgia is picked to win by seven and a half you know, three weeks out. But the thing that gets me, it was a stat actually from the Big 12 championship game, was that Baylor ran 56 plays, and that's including overtime. I don't remember the exact number, but it was a tweet that said the Baylor offense only gained positive yardage on like 20 of those plays. And that was against the Oklahoma defense, not the Georgia defense.
1: But the OU defense is really good this year, remember?
0: I would say they don't even come close to comparing to a top-of-the-line SEC defense, which they do have really good defenses. Like Everybody talks about it, and they do have really good offenses. Georgia has just a stupid good defense. I don't think this game will be within a touchdown. So give me Georgia and the points on a big stage. I,
1: I am going to pull a not-so-fast, my friend because I think Baylor's defense is going to disrupt what Georgia wants to do and, and they can pressure from for sure. I forget that guy's name that won the award over, uh, Jordan Brooks, but he did. Yeah. He did get to Ellinger a few times, quite a few times, actually, I guess on Saturday, not, not Ellinger, sorry, uh, Hertz. He actually got to Hertz. Where was I? Where was I going with that? But, uh, I think that Baylor's defense is going to give Georgia some fits. Um, I would pick Georgia to still win, but I think it's going to be one of those typical Baylor games: grind it out, squeeze all the fun out of it, rinse, repeat. It's it's going to someone's going to win by four, and it, it's just going to be very close. So I, I'm still going to pick. I still think Georgia's going to win, but I would pick Baylor to cover. I'm going to take the points.
0: Okay, so if we're going with straight-up wins on this, I think we've all picked – well, no, you, you picked Oklahoma State plus the points. Does that mean you also expect them to win that game?
1: Yes, I, I actually do. I, okay. I think Oklahoma State will beat A&M. But, so, yeah, you're right. The, the rest of them, aside from Kansas
0: State – which is a one-point no. favorite.
1: Yeah, we've we picked the favorites to win every game.
0: That's true. Which hardly ever happens. But we're also not picking true. all Big 12 teams in this. I don't know. I just, I don't think, like I said earlier, I don't think the matchups favor the Big 12. You're going to get a lot of people saying the Big 12 is down this year, especially when they go, well, they went 1-5 in, in the bowl games. Well, they didn't have a great draw. I mean, you had a... a somebody in the playoffs, you had somebody in a New Year's 6. They just did not have a good matchup. And I don't think it would have been any better had Baylor won and they played LSU. Um I mean, no o- OU Georgia was a a semifinal game a couple of years ago. That was really entertaining.
1: But that was a was that one double overtime? I believe so. Cuz that was a Yeah, I think it was Mayfield's Mayfield's was Mayfield. last year. Yep.
0: Anyways, I've got the Big 12. I, I think they're going to go 1-5 and five in the bowl season. Michael says 2-4. and four. We've got a couple weeks to, to kind of pick at that. I'm sure we'll look at some of the rest of the big – not the Big 12. Some of the rest of the bowl games. Um, but we did mention a little, a little while ago about the playoff selection with LSU at 1, Ohio State at 2, Clemson at 3, Oklahoma at 4. One, I like all those matchups, and I think they got it right. It, it helps that Utah lost um, and Georgia lost to kind of make room for Oklahoma. All right, Michael, so when we look at the, the four teams that made the playoff, you got LSU at one, Ohio State at two, Clemson at three, Oklahoma at four. What are your thoughts on, on those four teams, and do you think someone was, was left out? Did, did Oklahoma deserve to be number four? What, what are your thoughts on the playoff this year?
1: I, I think they got it right. I, I haven't seen a lot of people say. I haven't seen anyone say otherwise, really. Uh, you know, I, I believe the going into championship weekend, Ohio State was number one. Of course, they struggled against Wisconsin in the first half, and then just blew them away in the second half. So, and then LSU, they didn't seem to have any trouble in. Um, in their conference championship game, so it made sense for those two to swap. I, I do think that Clemson, of course, they have a weaker schedule, but they're thirteen and zero. You can't dis discard that. And OU, they played Baylor twice. They beat them twice. Uh, you know, their one loss was to Kansas State in a really fluky game that ended on a, uh, you know, a kickoff out of bounds or you know some sort of weird penalty that the the Big 12 refs later recanted and said that they were actually incorrect. So I think they got it right. I don't think Georgia belonged in there um or Oregon, you know, it it made sense to me that these are the four teams that landed where they are and I think the seating is correct as well.
0: Yeah, one it's weird to see Alabama way down there at 13. Now, they did lose two games and one to Auburn, who's ranked number 12 right ahead of them. Um, yeah, I'm I'm okay with the teams that, that follow the top four just outside of the playoff uh, with Georgia at five, Oregon at six. I mean, they made a big jump after their Pac-12 championship game, but they did a fantastic job um, and just really soundly defeated Utah. I don't think Baylor moved after their loss to Oklahoma. Um, which is fine cuz at this point we're not really talking about you know if they impacted the the playoff or not Wisconsin at 8 um I don't think any of those teams should have been any higher I'm glad that Georgia fell down fell to 5 at least that way we didn't have two SEC teams or any kind of rematch cuz had let's say let's say Georgia won the SEC championship game and they were at 4 we'd have a a playoff rematch, possibly, um, right? Or I, I mean, they, they probably wouldn't have LSU at one, but you'd have two SEC teams in there. I I do like that. There's, you know, an SEC, a Big Ten, an ACC, and a Big Twelve. I don't think the the one Power Five conference left out the the Pac Twelve. I don't think they had a, a a team strong enough to be in the playoff. So I think that while they're the one power five team left out, that there's not really much debate or contention that they should have had somebody in there.
1: Right. And it was kind of topsy-turvy, you know, the, the fact that they, that they did beat Utah and they beat them so well, that kind of degrades how great Utah was. And, And so it was one of those things where, you know, if Oregon hadn't come in with two losses, obviously, to the Pac-12 championship game, that we may be talking something different. And then if they demolished Utah in the, in the championship game, I mean, who knows? They may have jumped ahead of Oklahoma if they'd have been a 12 and one uh, dominant Pac-12 champion. But that's just not how it worked. I, I think OU earned the spot. Uh, you know, obviously, I've said it already on this podcast. I'm not a big Big 12. Homer, and I'm definitely not a fan of OU, but I think they've earned their spot based off of uh, these teams. I mean, and and just the sheer win-loss ratio. They're the only one-loss team left, and they played a conference championship game. So they played 13 games and only lost one. I, I think that should just about be automatic uh, unless there's another one-loss team out there with perhaps a better resume.
0: Well, there are three more one-loss teams you can't say that they're better than Oklahoma. Memphis at 12 and one, Boise State 12 and one, Appalachian State 12 and one. Memphis is the highest rated of all those at 17, Boise State 19, App State 20. So yeah, I mean, of, of everybody else around them, they had two or three losses. Oklahoma makes sense there at number four. Obviously one, two, and three are all 13 and zero. So then let me ask you this, Michael hypothetically, would you be in favor of expanding the playoff to six or eight teams? you want to leave it at four? Why or why not?
1: I would, I would definitely be in favor of expanding it. And for the longest time, I thought eight teams made the most sense. But Kyle has recently talked me into sort of the six-team format, which would give LSU and Ohio State this year, uh, first-round buys, basically. And then that would have your Clemson versus Oregon matchup and OU versus Georgia, I believe. I, I, that's that's some good football. That sounds really great. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm only saying that because then that would leave Baylor out just because I don't want Baylor in. But I think six games is is a good way to start because it's still really good incentive for teams to to get that top spot to try to go you know get number 1 or number 2 in the country cuz then you know that you will get to uh get to rest up the first week and then prepare for whoever you're going to play uh the following week um in the in your you know semifinal round but eight teams it's it's just kind of pulling in a little bit more I, i'd be concerned with if, if that would even be enough for some people, if eight teams comes out and it's, well, what about, you know, that's, if that happened this year, that would leave out Florida, who's 10 and two or Penn state who's 10 and two at nine and 10, you know, someone might have an argument. Well, shoot, you know, they're, they're a two lost team and Baylor's a two lost team and Wisconsin's lost three and they're in the play. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if it would ever end, but, um, I think six would be a good start, and then if they just if they decided to annex to eight, that'd be okay, I guess, but it's just more games for these kids to play.
0: So, I was initially in favor of a 16 playoff, giving the one and two seeds uh, a bye week, but I guess my problem with that one is I don't like that they have that they would give the one and two seeds that big of an advantage that they don't have to play for a week, that they play one fewer games, um, but they kind of let everybody else beat each other up. Uh, I mean, say like a Clemson beats, you know, who do we say that is uh, Oregon, um, and and Clemson loses a lot of like key players, but still ends up winning. Then they have to come back and play LSU. What a game that would have been a lot closer had they, you know, had LSU also played. Um, that's probably not a really great example. I just don't like giving the one and two that big of an advantage. Now, if you were if you played eight teams in the playoff and you had LSU versus the number eight team, Wisconsin, the advantage there is they play the lowest ranked team in the playoff, but they still have to play a game. Um, if if there is a concern about player health and safety, then I, I think it would be feasible to cut back on the regular season games to eleven, maybe. I yeah. mean that, that, that's a big switch. I think you would have to cut one of the non conference games, especially the SEC. Um because they all they all take a week off in November and play The Citadel <laughs> or whoever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think you'd have to to, to mix that. Um,
1: yeah, an, an argument in favor of your of of an eight team playoff this year would be you would get to see LSU versus Washington um, Wisconsin, which I don't think. You know, I'm not saying Wisconsin would come out and win that or anything, but this was a that Wisconsin was a team that allowed what like twelve points in its first four games or something. I mean. Mm-hmm. And then they had a heck of a running game. They just kind of they hit a wall in a few games. Honestly, uh, that's that's a heck of a matchup. I would watch. I would definitely watch an LSU Wisconsin game. Uh, so that's kind of a, a point in in the favor of of going eight teams. I, the other my only argument on the oh so, go ahead, go ahead. Say, the
0: other the, the other point and it's it's relevant this year. It probably would not be relevant every year. Is that in a sixteen playoff? You've got that cutoff between teams two and three. Who gets that bye week? Because this year you've got three 13-0 teams. Which 13-0 and team doesn't get the week off? That's true. Because they all played a perfect season. They all won their conference championship games, but one of them has to then play another game while the other two don't. That decision, I, again, relevant this year, not not every year, you can't win making that d- decision, right? Like defending Ohio state should be over Clemson or whatever, whoever those teams are, whereas you wouldn't have to defend that so much. I, I-, I think there's going to be a bigger disparity between teams eight and nine than two and three. You can easily draw that line or at least more easily in my mind between eight and nine than two and three.
1: Yeah, I could, I could see that. I'd, the only thing I'd, I'd want to add is the, the fact that it would give teams one and two an advantage to have that extra bye week the, the teams that are going to be one and two in the country already have a lot of advantages. <laughs> so what's one more, just, just one more advantage. It's fine.
0: Let's let them, cause you're, you're pushing, them have you're, one more thing. <laughs> you're pushing those two teams like even closer to, to winning a title without them having yeah, to work as hard as the next team.
1: That's true, and your and your point about the cutoff between two and three is is, is true because this year, Clemson fans would say, "Well, why can't the seating, but the seating of two or three would matter so much more in that case."
0: Yeah, you 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 as the selection committee would have to have like an airtight way of determining who goes where in the rankings, not like, well, they looked better. Well, sure, sure. Well, they're in the Big a, Ten. That's not a defense that you can stand behind. Clemson's not
1: in the Big Ten. That's it. They go. They're number three. They can't. They can't say that, even though that's probably what they think.
0: The ACC sucks this year. That's why you're three. Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. know.
1: Jimbo ain't there. It's that's why. That's why yeah. you are on number third.
0: I, I'm sure we'll have a lot more of of the playoff expansion talk. I mean, I, I think they're, they're kind of committed to this 14 playoff for, for quite some time. It's interesting to, to look every now and then like, well, what if it was six teams? Well, like that Clemson Oregon game would be really fun. Oklahoma, Georgia would be a really good game too. Um, yeah, I'd love
1: to see Oklahoma and Georgia play each other.
0: But the way it's up this year, LSU-Oklahoma is going to be a fun game. Ohio State-Clemson, it's going to be a fun game. I don't think – you're not going to walk away from one of the playoff games this year thinking, man, that probably wasn't a good team. That that They didn't deserve to be there. Uh, OU may because they have the largest point spread against LSU. But even then, I don't – like when we talked about who would take their place – you don't want Georgia there as their SEC team, and there's nobody else that had as good or better of a resume than Oklahoma. So this year, I'm I'm most okay and accepting of the four teams than I probably have been in the playoff history, um, even without Alabama, which I think is the first time ever, which is fine.
1: Oh yeah, totally fine.
0: Um. Let's let's talk about the uh, NCAA possibly making a change to the redshirt rule. Did you see Michael that they're looking at possibly adjusting this already? The the rule's been in place I think for two seasons. Um, I
1: saw that they were adjusting it, but no, I never sorry. saw what they were planning on doing.
0: the The redshirt rule, as it is now, has only been in for one season. Yeah, a, a, a player being able to participate in four games and still be able to maintain a redshirt. And I think what it was was Houston that screwed this up because it makes sense to give players who were only able to get into into four games, whether by injury or the coaches were trying to give them experience, that makes sense, like that they would still be able to maintain that year of eligibility. But what you saw Houston do was they got off to a really bad one in three start and then decided, you know what, we've got the remaining eligibility of these players is more important than trying to win and get to eight and four this year. So they had a bunch of their key players sit and take a red shirt this season. I think that is what really kind of ticked everybody. I was like, that's not the intent of this rule. Now you you can't say that you can't enforce that. Right. But sure. Yeah. I I, I haven't seen, what they would propose to do. I think early on, as, at least as early as we've seen it now, it's just been like, you know, it's not going the way that we anticipated it. We, we, we may ad- address this and look at it in the upcoming NCAA convention in January. Um, Yeah. I, so I think what Houston did this year is kind of a unintended consequence of the rule. Like it's the kind of necessary evil to kind of support the good that this rule currently has. So w- what are your thoughts, Michael, on the current state of the rule and if you'd want to see that changed?
1: I, I don't want to see it changed yet. I do think Holgerson abused it. And I, I oh, think that sure. they they completely used the rule to their advantage. I mean, that, but that's how it was written. Maybe they just need to, to – Spice it up a little bit. I mean, you don't want to put too many qualifiers in there because then you have to police it so much, you know, and say that it's only for an injury or it's only for for this situation or for that. Uh, you know, maybe even just take it down to three games and let it go from there. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it right now. I I think they should leave it alone for one more season and then maybe act. It, it's kind of knee-jerk to – Oh, we did this. We let this go for one season, and and this is why Tech gets the chance to keep Alan Bowman for another year is because of this rule. So we should all be in favor of it, pretty much, uh, to keep our QB roster healthy. I don't, I don't see why they should jump the gun right now and just say, well, let's change everything because one team really abused it this one year, one team that was really inconsequential in the college football landscape this season abused it. Um, I, I think they should maybe at least pay, wait and see if if it pays off for Houston, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah. I think if you were going to be making a change, I would be okay if they made some small incremental changes. And m- maybe that, that in- does include reducing it from four games to three. Or maybe saying, you know, it'll be three games but the three games that a player can participate in can only be non-conference games or something to that effect. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um now, obviously that that helps the Power 5 schools because everybody their scheduling is is on their level or below whereas you've got Group of 5 and beyond that are you know, some of their non-conference games they're reaching up and playing a Power 5 school um where they would want um where, where where they would need more of that like it means more to them in those games than the, than a conference game does whereas a big twelve conference game means more than a non conference game does. Does that make sense? Like
1: Yeah, I I mean I
0: think so. So on, on Houston's schedule, when they reached up and play Oklahoma, that's a lot more meaningful to Houston to have their key players playing against Oklahoma than it would be for Texas Tech to have a player um against Montana State. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I could see that. They could they could wait that because that's a pretty good cutoff and it's usually three or four games anyway.
0: Right, um, and, and you can't just say non conference games because you've got the SEC that has four, and so that they'd be able to, to pack in, you know, that one more game of experience. So I I think you have to have a number and then say or You can also add the, it can only be non-conference games that these players can participate in. But like you, I don't think the rule needs adjusting just yet. This Houston example is one um, exception so far. I don't think we've seen anybody else kind of abuse it the way it has been this year. So I'm not in favor of them changing it just yet. Yeah, me neither. Let it play out just a little longer. Okay, so let's look at a couple of um, players that have or will be joining Texas Tech. Some recruiting news. Um, you did get a commitment from a Michigan State grad transfer linebacker in Brandon Boyer Randall. Probably pronouncing that wrong, but he was a six foot two, two hundred thirty pound linebacker slash defensive end at Michigan State. Out of high school, part of the 2016 recruiting class, he was an Army All-American, four-star, number 14 outside linebacker, and number seven recruit out of the state of Michigan. At Michigan State, he redshirted in 2016, played in all 13 games as a redshirt freshman in 2017 as a rush defensive end. Sophomore season in 2018, he had 21 tackles, five tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, one recovery, and two quarterback hurries. And then this season, he played in the first four games of the season before deciding to enter the transfer portal. Um, As a grad transfer, obviously he's graduated, he will enroll early in January, so he'll be able to go through spring practice at Texas Tech and then be eligible to play this fall. Um, if my math is correct, you should have him, I think for two seasons, because of the, he redshirted in 2016, so that's one of his five, 17, 18. Nope, you should have him just for one. I think it's a one for one.
1: Yeah, I think it's just one.
0: Because he played this year, only in four games, but he's already used a red shirt year. Right. So that was a junior, and then he'll transfer in as a senior. Um, you are adding to your your running back room with a JUCO walk-on. Garden City Community College running back Ellis Merriweather. It's a big dude, 6'2, 225. Accepted the preferred walk-on position, so he's guaranteed a spot on the roster. Could potentially work his way into a scholarship. Um, formally committed to Navy, had a pretty good year. Um, there's also a, another recruit at Garden City that they're looking at to come to Texas Tech, uh, I believe is a defensive tackle or a linebacker. Um, but he's that player is visiting this weekend. And then one more player of note would be the Utah State quarterback, Jordan Love, may be looking at a grad transfer. Uh, we did see today from Dan Wetzel that it kind of it will depend heavily on his NFL draft grade. There have been there, there's been at least one mock draft so far that has him going first round. So if you're looking at first round draft rating, you're not going to grad transfer. No way. But they have yeah, him all the way up to going to Carolina. Yeah, number 19 overall to Carolina. Obviously that that's a pretty high projection. It could fall, but even if he's in the first. I don't know, probably three rounds, he would say. Let's not play (laughs) one more season um, of college ball. Let's go make some money in the NFL. Yeah, for Um, sure. He's, one, it's weird. He's reported as being interested in Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Houston. Although, supposedly, I saw this on a message board, that he's actually gone on record as saying that Texas tech is not in his future. That may have been before the decision or before the speculation of, of um, transferring was, was really getting going. I'm not sure the context of that, but supposedly he has said something to the effect of tech, not being in his future, not the same for Oklahoma or Houston. Um, and then I, I don't see. it I, I kind of hope
1: he doesn't come to Tech. Honestly, I think that's just too many cooks in the kitchen. Dude, someone's you know Tech's already risking having at least one guy transfer from the quarterback position. Um, whereas if Love comes in, you might lose two. Well, that's kind of the way I look at it.
0: I would see it if Love comes in that changes who I think transfers, because I think currently. I would be surprised if Alan Bowman is still on the roster this upcoming fall. But if Jordan Love transfers in, I think Bowman stays and Duffy transfers. I, I kind of see if
1: I kind of see if Love comes in, Duffy and Bowman may transfer.
0: My The reason why I would see Bowman staying is because of the eligibility he has left. He can wait out a grad transfer in Jordan Love the one season um, because he's a redshirt freshman this year. He'll be able to to redshirt this season. He would potentially not play his sophomore season and then be um, in the running for starting quarterback as a junior.
1: Yeah, so he would still have two full years as a starter. But I don't know if he's gonna, you know, I don't know if he's gonna wait that long. I'm not. I'm not. I just don't have any gauge on how he feels about the the fact that he's missed so much football at Tech. A lot of it's, of course, been due to injury. Uh, you know, he could have played the last couple of games this season, but it was smart not to. There was no need for him to do that, and it was it was good for him to get that red shirt. But I, I'm just not sure if if he's gonna wait it out that long if there's going to be enough for him to stick around. If he can see, you know, if he can see this four-win team becoming a six-win team, becoming an eight-win team, you know, two years from now, then then okay, maybe, but we've, we've got to kind of see where things are, are headed.
0: Yeah. Last thing I would point to before we move on to baseball is that the Jacksonville Jaguars have signed – Former Texas Tech linebacker Dakota Allen off of the practice squad to their active roster. Hey, all right, Dakota, it's good, great news. <laughs> I just wanted to share that uh, little bit of news that came out this afternoon.
1: Oh, and uh, well, if you are interested in, you know, we we talked a lot a bit about the the bowl games earlier. We did, and and a lot about the how teams are favored and whether or not they should be favored. Well, guess what? You could go over to my bookie and you could find these games and more. Um, As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Pat Mahomes will keep the Chiefs in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We are coming into the final home stretch of the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines, get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Bet with the best at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week. Put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. The best part is if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit so you can use all your favorite picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you
0: win, you get paid. Lots of ball games to be looking at over on my bookie. I want to talk a little bit about some college baseball news before we hit your questions and reactions to the the basketball game. Uh, A little out of order. We probably should have done the reactions while we were talking about the basketball game, but it's fall. It's fine. Um, (laughs) The MLB draft is is moving. Uh, it's been moved a little bit later into the month of June and it will now take place in the week leading up to the college world series. Um, previously it was held kind of in the middle of June, early middle-ish of June, usually that, that same weekend as the super regionals. So you would get like the Friday night game in and then you'd hear all the guys getting drafted. Someone would be drafted while they're on the field. Um, but now it's being moved up to times when nobody's playing, and the draft will actually physically take place in Omaha. So making more of a a spectacle spectacle of it, be able to bring some some of the prospects in, uh, actually have them there for the draft process. Kind of how we we see in base or in basketball and football when a guy's name gets read up in the draft, they get to to come up to the stage. I'm excited about this move. I think the biggest thing in my mind is that it's not during competitive baseball, um, that you're not hearing about guys being drafted while they're out there in right field. Um, during, while, you know, while they're competing in super regionals, I I do like that. They're moving to to Omaha as well, kind of putting all that together. Um, so I, I think that's really positive, positive news. And the other thing I want to share is that our man Keith Patrick over at the Dinger Derby podcast should be releasing a fall episode here pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that. If you don't already know, Dinger Derby is a place you can find nothing but Texas Tech baseball. It's a podcast dedicated strictly to them. The Red Raiders on the diamond hitting Chad with Raider Red one of my favorite lines. That <laughs> yeah, that's up a with. really solid one. Yeah. Um, so be on the lookout for that in your feeds. Let's look through the Twitter and get to some of your questions and thoughts really quickly. Fully at P H U L L Y his response to my, my tweet about, um, asking for, for people to send him in th- send in thoughts. He said, my thoughts are positive. Oh, that's good. I uh, thanks, thanks, buddy. I'm a lot more positive now than I was you know after those three games where you lost, yeah, me too. <laughs> at Texan Seven, Louisville shot poorly as did we, but we out hustled them and played harder the entire game. That's something that Chris beard has always been about. He's always talked about their teams are gonna work harder uh they're gonna they're gonna display kind of the blue collar work ethic mentality that uh this region of the state is known for. Proud of these guys and great win at the right time. Hashtag four to one. Um, G. Shumway at MLB Rangers fan was afraid Holyfield had become a liability, but no one is talking about his defense down low against elite big man tonight. Outstanding. He did. He was, he was defending the pass to the big man too. Not
1: just once he got the ball. I mean, there were a couple early on, I feel like Beard or, or somebody got onto him, or Adams. Uh, early on, I think uh, their big man had just a a sweet spin towards the basket. He had Holyfield on his left shoulder. He felt him, and he just spend, spun the other way and, and went straight to the basket uh, for an easy layup. So I think he must have gotten a little bit of a talking to on the sidelines after that.
0: Yeah. Red Raider Reset Man, why does Clark not want to shoot the ball? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't, it's got me wondering now if it's a point of coaching, but we've seen Clark in the preseason, in the exhibitions, and then when he played at Virginia Tech, was really able to score the ball. I don't, I'm not sure what, what he's being coached to do, what he's looking for when he gets the ball, especially when he gets real close to the rim Why he's turning around and firing it back outside.
1: Well, Jay Jay Billis Bilus said today that I, I think it was he must have gone to one of the practices and and he said on the broadcast, I know you weren't able to hear all of it, but that Beard and the coaches were just begging Clark to shoot, begging him to do something offensively in the, in practice and in the games. And so I I don't know if he just feels like he's he can help his team better by not shooting. Um but he's He's got a good outside shot, you know. He's he's draining some twelve to fifteen footers here and there that I've, I've seen him just swish. So I, I think he's got a decent shot. He's just got to take it a little bit more and be a little bit more confident with it.
0: Yeah, I would, like would love to see him shoot a little bit more. Um, Raider Reset Men so, says that he's you know he he dribbles in and then looking to do anything else but shoot.
1: Yeah, and and you mentioned this. He played what, forty five minutes against DePaul?
0: Is that right? F- forty three? Forty three of the forty five. He shot five times. Yeah, that's one every nine minutes of game time. Right. <laughs> of game time, yes. All right. Michael, you wanna wrap up and talk about what we learned? You wanna do your sure, Star Wars sure. update?
1: Yeah, we can do that. I think there was one other question from uh, from Amy, who always gives us a good question, and she basically just asked us who is creating the account for Avery Benson's hair. <laughs> <I don't
0: laughs> Did know, you cause... hear that?
1: Did you hear that interview that uh, with with Benson when when she was talking to uh, when Holly Rowe was talking to Benson at the end of the game?
0: If it was tonight, no, we didn't have the audio on the game at all. We were just well, that watching was... it.
1: That was a callback to uh when Roe was interviewing Benson, I think her final question was, Well now we just gotta figure out who's gonna set up the Avery Avery Benson's hair Twitter account. And um I think it's already been set up. So
0: It would look uh, that way. Yeah.
1: So as far as what we learned, I've got a I've got a Star Wars update. The the first two trilogies are complete. I have now rewatched up to return of the Jedi return of the Jedi was not as good as I remember and not to get too hot takey, but after watching these, you know, episodes one through six in that order, I think episode four is my favorite. Uh, And you know, everyone says empire is the best. I think, what takes Empire over the top, aside from the fact that it's just kind of, you know, the heroes kind of lose a little bit in that story is Yoda. Yoda is fantastic in that. Uh, Frank Oz is incredible. That, that alone could push Empire to be the best, but man, that first Star Wars movie is just so fun. It's so The this, they're not trying to do too much. the, The sets are small. It's probably because they couldn't, or they didn't know if it was going to work, and they, you know, they may have held back a little bit. But you could tell that the fight scenes and all that stuff get way more complex as the series goes along. Um, So anyway, there's something about that first one that that was still really good. But one of my peeves through this whole thing has been every time Obi Wan would mention he was instructed by Yoda or Yoda was his master and all this kind of stuff. Well, he never mentioned Qui-Gon Jinn once yet. This was a character that had to be created for whatever reason in Phantom Menace. Uh, you know, Obi-Wan says that he, he found Anakin. He chose to train him. That's not exactly it. He was kind of giving Qui-Gon a death wish, basically not death wish, but a, a, a deathbed wish saying that he would train Anakin. He didn't even want to train Anakin. And then he's all talking about like, that was his, uh, yeah, you know, you know, the force was strong and, in, in him and I wanted to train him. Like, no, that's not, I just saw episode two. You didn't want to train this guy or episode one for sure. Uh, anyway, that was one of the big kind of plot holes. And Qui-Gon was obviously just made up way later, but, uh, you know return of the jedi the ewok stuff was it bothered me more this time than it ever has and i think it was just because the stormtroopers are just so inept anyway <laughs> but this time They're we terrible. got to s- i can't shoot oh, i know this time we got to see them beaten by the most primitive of primitive weapons which is rocks so the ewoks took out a bunch of stormtroopers with rocks and sure why not but uh, you know, the Palpatine stuff has always been interesting. The dark versus the light side of the force has always been interesting. So that whole subplot with Luke facing uh, Darth Vader and everything was was still the, probably the best part of the movie aside from just the actors because Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, the, the, they were really fun to watch. And um, I also wonder how... Luke knew how all of that was going to go on Tatooine when he went to Jabba's palace. That that seemed like he knew they were going to get hauled out to the middle of nowhere to be eaten by a Sarlacc thing. <laughs> that was all part of his plan. He, made it, he sure made it sound like it. Anyway, I went way too long, uh, but I plan on watching The Force Awakens probably this weekend, and then I think I'm going to watch the last Jedi the night before nice. I see return of a rise of Skywalker, which I will be seeing that Thursday night, the 19th.
0: So Samantha and I have star Wars on our on deck. That's probably what we're going to start next. Uh, I think I've decided on an order to watch them just because I want to do it a little differently. And I don't want to watch it like one through eight. Um, so we will start with four, A New Hope. And you, yes. So you'll have to let me know like this order if it just makes no sense because the sen- the order I watched Marvel didn't end up making a whole lot of sense at the end, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Um, so f- episode four, a New Hope, then Rogue One, and then episode five, Empire, and then one, two, and three, Solo, six, seven, eight.
1: One two three solo six seven
0: eight. Okay, that yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm um. So there's a there's a big gap. So once we hit the third movie in our our lineup, episode five, we're gonna jump way back. Watch one two three solo before we get to episode six. You know, honestly,
1: I would almost do. Bless you. I would almost thank you. Do episode four, episode five, and then I would start one, two, three, solo, then Rogue One, and then seven, eight, nine. I kind of think Rogue One would, it just seems, it just just would kind of throw you off to me to go from A New Hope to Rogue One, then back to the 70s. To go from the 70s to 2017 and then to 1980. And then, I don't know. That just seems like that would be too much of a jump. Um, But chronologically, it makes sense as far as the story goes. Because Rogue One took place before A New Hope. But you wouldn't really want to watch that before you watch A New Hope. And truly... A New Hope is the the one you've got to watch because it talks the most about the Force, especially for the uninitiated. You know that's the thing that I didn't like about Phantom Menace either is, it just starts and you're supposed to know, you know, you're supposed to know what Jedi's are and you're supposed to know what the Force is and everything. So it it's obviously building off of these old movies, even though it's supposed to be a prequel, and just kind of starts you in the middle of all this stuff that you're supposed to already know. So that's why you've got to start with if you if you're completely uninitiated or or something, episode four is is the place to start.
0: yeah, for sure. All right, so we are watching the Marvel's Avengers movie series. We finished in game, meaning we've got we are in the middle first third, first half of um, Spider-Man homecoming, or whatever the last one is. Um Oh, yeah, yeah, which so, I haven't watched. Yeah, so we saw the return of Spider-Man from the blip or being unsnapped, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, spoiler alert from Infinity War. Hopefully you've seen that. Otherwise, it was <laughs> a huge spoiler. Might <laughs> Um... Yeah, so I guess the biggest thing, the way we were watching it, it was more of storyline, timeline, or at least that's the way it was presented. Although we watched uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp before Infinity War, and that last scene didn't make any sense to us. No, I
1: could totally see that because, all right, you've already said the spoiler alert, so just consider that everyone's warning because the the final scene in the wasp is they send ant-man into the quantum realm and they're supposed to pull him back out but that's when the snap happens and so no one pulls him out and then all of a sudden he gets pulled out in the the first act or so of endgame so if you saw that movie before you saw endgame chronologically it made sense, but you had no idea what the heck was going on. Or even if you saw it before... No, no. If you saw it before you saw Endgame, that would be okay. But if you saw it before you you saw Infinity War, it'd make no sense.
0: Yeah. I I think what they were doing is... Or whoever wrote that, either didn't realize that last connection there or thought that there shouldn't be a break between Infinity War and Endgame.
1: Yeah. maybe, Maybe there was some weird thing there. Or they... They left out the part where they said, "Now don't watch the last
0: five minutes until you've watched this, and then come back and watch." Yeah, I don't know. And there was also that that really big shift in tone between Thor Ragnarok and then Infinity War. Oh, it, huge! <laughs> it, it felt like you'd have to watch. Yeah. So the way that we watched it, um, I think, I think we watched Ant Man the Wasp before Thor Ragnarok. Because it it seems like you could have really watched straight through from the end of Ragnarok into Infinity War because the last regular scene of Ragnarok was like the very beginning of Infinity War. Um, And I don't think we broke that up. Anyways, we are just about caught up on Marvel and Avengers.
1: It's killing me because you haven't seen the end of Endgame. Yes, I have. Oh, you have okay. That's right. You're on Far From Home. Yeah, we're, we're on we're Spider far Spider-Man. From Spider-Man. Home. Okay. Okay. I got you.
0: I if if we're okay, lot talking spoilers here. The time travel stuff in Endgame felt a little far fetched. It felt like we got to figure a figured way to undo this, and we're gonna make shit up.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was basically it. The only thing that helped was how well it was established in Ant-Man and the Wasp, but I didn't see that one.
0: Well, it and, they were more talking about the quantum realm and you got a little bit of time stuff from Doctor Strange, but not well, to the, this extent.
1: And the prim particle and stuff was part of the Ant-Man stuff, uh but yeah, time going back in time as any sort of device is getting kind of i just hope they don't do that in the star wars movie and there's there's rumors that 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 may be what they do in rise of style skywalker we'll see
0: yeah I, I, I did some see, sort of weird that, time travel thing that theory too all right so that'll do it for us we will have that extra episode this week from the collaborative podcast with guns up nation dinger derby and the ramblin raiders Look for that for michael i'm spencer we will catch you next time